Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined by Kyle Petty. Today, we're both in our home studios. We're going to talk about the Darlington Raceway race today on Mother's Day. First, I need to say a big thank you to my guest, Kyle Petty, for doing national television and then doing the NASCAR NBC podcast. Uh, thanks for being here, KP. I really appreciate it. No, man. Thanks for having me. Listen, I, I, I do have to say this, and, and, and I said it today on TV. So it was a big day. It was a big day because we did got to do the first segment um, and it was myself and my dad. And I told him, I said, I have done just about everything there is to do in racing, but I had never been in a booth with my dad. So it was really cool. You know, Dale Jarrett gets to do it, got to do it with Ned a couple of times and some of that stuff. And I see how special it is. It was really, it was really a, a big honor that they let me do it. The Fox let us do it today, but uh, for the 75th, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, obviously, I was going to start there, KP. I mean, you mentioned that on air when you were on the uh, the Fox Sports broadcast, which, again, was really cool. Second straight year you did that, but this time with the King, who's in the booth. And obviously, your dad done countless interviews, TV appearances, and he's probably lost track of the number of cameras he's talked to in the, his lifetime. But he hasn't done many like this, like where he's in the booth. And like like we saw with Bill Elliott in the third segment, too. Like I, Bill Elliott hasn't done a lot of calling races either, even though yeah. he and the King, like, are intimately familiar with like how to do media and interviews. This is kind of like a new yeah. realm for, for both of them. So what was it like, do you think for the King and for you and for, for doing this new experience together? You know what? I, I think he, I think he enjoyed it. I tell you what he enjoyed. He enjoyed all the gadgets that you have in the booth. Um, the telestrator, uh, all the, all the information that's coming in, um, you know, and, and that's what here's the fascinating part. And I said it on air, like he will sit at home. And he's got a computer beside of him with all the all the lap times and all the speed and all the information. Then he's watching it on on his TV and he'll sit there and eat popcorn. That's that's his Sunday afternoon when he's at home. Ninety uh, percent of the time he's at the racetrack, but that's his day deal when he's home. First thing he did was come in the booth, look at all the gadgets and then start watching the race out of the window, which doesn't help at, at all when you're doing TV, because you never talk about what's going on out the window. You talk about what's on, on the TV. So but you know what? I think he enjoyed it. Clint did a great job. I will say that Clint did a great job leading him a couple of places. And, you know, the funny part he said, and and he, he said it before and he said it a little bit today in a roundabout way is they, they went there in 1950 and they raced stock cars uh, right off the showroom floor. And the, the car that we raced or that they raced today is the most advanced car that NASCAR has ever had. But the one thing that never changes is the racetrack. On uh, how it wears tires and how it beats cars to pieces and how there's no room to race and all this stuff that never changes. So no matter what year it is or what decade it is or what century you're in, um, Darlington is always going to be Darlington and it just doesn't change the racing. That's the same race we saw when Ricky Craven and, and Kurt Busch comes down to the end and they're beating and banging and they're side by side. That's the same race we saw uh, with Jeff Gordon when he won the Winston Million and, and Bill Elliott and those guys. It's the same kind of racetrack. And that's, I think that's the fascination with Darlington in so many ways is when you step through the gates, it is that portal yeah. to that throwback. It takes you back and, and the racetrack does that. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was really cool. You asked the King that question. I mean, yeah, a track that started in 1950 uh, and is still around today in 2023. And I think you asked him, like, when you were driving, did the track change? The, the cars changed, but did you notice that the track changed? That was kind of like what you were asking him, right? 
Yeah, and, and like he said, he's not really. You still had to drive it the same way. Yeah. And you had the race to racetrack. And and I was fascinated that we talk, and, and he, he kind of alluded to this, and, and I wish we'd have had more time to elaborate on some of it, is about passing people. You have to, you don't just run up on somebody and pass them like you do at Kansas or, or other places. It's a, it's a timing thing. It's a momentum thing. And, and it's funny because what that says to me is that all these racetracks we race now where they run high and they come off the wall and everybody talks about, you got to keep your momentum up. You got to keep it going. You got to run that high groove. You got to make that gear work. The Darlington's been that way since 1950. Uh, and the drivers that drove it had to drive it that way. So from that standpoint, Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush and Joey Logano and those guys have a lot in common with Red Byron and Lee Petty and Buck Baker and and all the guys that came in the 50s and 60s. Herschel McGriff started the first Southern yeah. 500, was on your charity ride. I'm going to talk to you about that at the end. And obviously, I want to talk Darlington as well, including you, you mentioned the way you pass people here. That was certainly a big topic of discussion, again, with your man, Ross Chastain. Of course, it wouldn't be a, a Kyle Petty appearance on the NASCAR NBC podcast if Lord Byron didn't win. So all of your guys are going to get to William Byron, Ross Chastain. But first, I just want to start, KP, because it was um, 75th anniversary weekend throwback weekend at that track you know i think about like the petty family and obviously i think martinsville i, I think daytona you know i think bristol to some extent like but you guys talked about this as well like darlington i think one win for the king and you know for you you wanted to make it of course the bass pond uh, <laughs> i mean obviously it has a very special place in nascar history but what does it mean for you i mean obviously you love the place but the family didn't quite have the success there no. that you had other places no my granddad my granddad ran there you know for a number of years from 50 until what 60 i think 60 was the last year he run i don't think he, he didn't run there in 61 because he wrecked at daytona so he ran and and he and my dad raced together three times there i think once in once in 59 and then i think a couple of times in 60 um, my granddad always beat my dad there. I will say that I, we looked that up. I wanted to know who finished ahead. Uh, my granddad finished second one year. My dad finished fourth. That was as close they got to each other. So two cars in the top five in, in 1960 was, was a big deal, but you know, we just never had success there. You know, so many drivers that, that you go and, and you look at them and it's, and, and you're in the hall of fame room and they'll talk about the Southern 500 winning at Darlington because that was the first super speedway. You had to win there to establish yourself as a superstar. Um, and Lee Petty never did that. Hmm. Lee Petty just went and won, won championships. You know, he, yeah. he didn't win at Darlington. He just won three championships during the, during the decade of the fifties. That was, that was his huge accomplishment that elevated him to the top and moved him because he'd won 50 some races and, and that, but Darlington was never, never kind to Lee Petty. Uh, and it wasn't to my dad. Yeah. You know, my dad had one of the worst wrecks of his career. Um, and I just never got the hang of it. And, 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 and it did, it struck me today while I was doing TV. I think that was part of the issue was your whole life from the time you're six, seven, eight years old, you hear how tough Darlington is. Yeah. And then one day you're sitting in a car and you already believe it's tough. You know, Terry Labonte grew up in Corpus Christi. He didn't know a rat's rear end about Darlington. He just showed up, beat it. You know, Lake Speed did the same thing. So many guys uh, just showed up and just beat the place, but it, it was tough and it was not, it was not a kind place to our family, uh, but man, you know, we raced there for, my dad still, he's still there, man, he's still going, and uh, here we are 75 years later, and you're still, it's been there 70 some, what, 74 years, I guess, 73, 74 years. It's part of the DNA, anyhow, of who we are. Today, like getting to see the 75th anniversary scene, obviously, you know, they had Carl Edwards back, he was part of the broadcast, oh, yeah. Bill Elliott, as I mentioned, like. The 75 greatest drivers. I voted for Kyle Petty, by the way, for that list. What what, uh, <laughs> what what did you think about that scene? So many generational legends, greats, champions all gathered in one spot. Yeah, so that so that was cool. You know, I, obviously, li listen, and, and I, I make no bones about it. Um, for me, the golden era of the sport was was the 60s um, and, and into the 70s when you're growing up. And I, I think I think I think a lot of sports fans are that way. When you become a Yankees fan, if you're a Yankees fan when you're eight, that golden era for you is, is when you're you know a kid, when you're playing Little League Baseball, when you're playing – that's your golden era, and you judge everything against that. So I judge everything against you know my dad and Pearson and Kale and Bobby and all those guys. So to see Bobby and Donnie, uh, Herschel was there, as you, as you said. Dave Marcus was there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were so many guys walking around. And, and you looked around, and you thought, man, this is, this is the garage area of my youth. You know, this is these are the, the guys I spent summers with. These are the guys I spent weekends with. 
And then, you know, you see Jeff, you know, and Rusty and guys like that, guys you raced against. And then you, you know, Joey Logano, uh, you put him in and, and, and guys like that. It's, it's fascinating to look at that cross section uh, of guys, you know, and that, that's the kind of, for me, that's the kind of stuff I love because I'd like to get all 75 of them in a room yeah. and start asking them questions because there's a common thread in every one of them. Um, and it's that desire to win, that that drive to be the best uh, of whatever era they race and wherever they are. So it, it's it's pretty cool. I went in the big went in the big tent to see all of them and, and to shake their hands and Jerry Cook and all, all those guys. So it, it was good. To, uh, those are days I like. I, yeah. I will say that on a personal level, those are days I like. I'd watch that coffee with Kyle like super edition if you have like a few dozen guys yeah. for an entire day in a tent like that and you just talk to him that'd be really cool but yeah of course the, the big topic of conversation was what happened during the race and as I mentioned William Byron wins when Ross Chastain always Ross gets into it for the lead with Kyle Larson on a late restart I'm going to start, Kyle, by just, I'll read you what Ross Chastain said. By the way, Kyle Larson did not apparently talk to the media, but Ross Chastain said to Fox, What happened to turn one? Full commit uh, into one. I got really tight uh, and drove up and, and turned myself. I I wanted to squeeze him. I wanted to, I wanted to push him up. Uh, we had been trading back and forth all day, and and uh, I wanted to, to push him up for sure, but definitely didn't want to turn myself in one. So uh, on the previous restart positions have been reversed for that final restart Chastain took or the second to last restart Chastain took the inside Larson took the outside because Chastain had the lead the the restart before Chastain was in the outside and he felt like Larson had squeezed him into the wall and so the rules were sort of reversed um how did you see I guess both of those instances but in particular the incident in which both of them got taken out well I thought the incident I, I thought what happened when they got to when when they took each other out okay so I'm not going to put the blame on either one of them they took each other out was more in line with what Truex and Joey Logano Truex comes down in the corner, try and, and the car skates up. He pinches Joey against out Joey against the outside wall, but he's not flush with Joey. He's not this way. He's ahead enough that it turns him into the outside wall. Right. Um, and in the last incident, that's what happened with, with Ross Ross, as he said, fully committed but if Ross had been fully committed side by side, it would have been a different game. But Ross was fully committed a half a car length in front, and it turned him into the outside wall. On the previous, and it, it gets all complicated when we go back and forth and say previous or this one or that one. Yeah. But when Kyle Larson did it to Chastain, it was wheel to wheel. It was wheel to wheel. If you go back and look at it, it's, it's fender to fender, door to door, wheel to wheel. Huh. There's no offset in them. Um, and that's why when they, that's why they were arguing about who was leading the race because. Chastain was ahead by like what six inches, seven inches, just because of where they were at right there. So, I, I think the funny part is when when I look at it is you had the four cars that wrecked, um, and Joey had run like junk all day long. So yeah. let's let's just yeah. say that. Let me tell you something. You put Joey Logano inside five to go and give him a shot at the win. By God, I don't care if he's in a shoebox. He's he's going for it, dude. So I've got to say. With, with those last two restarts, that the four guys that had a shot to win didn't give anyone an inch. They didn't give anyone a quarter inch. They didn't give anyone an eighth. They didn't give anyone anything. It was take, take, take. Truex was taken. Joey was taken. Larson was taken. You know, Chastain was taken. That's the way it was. Because if you go to the last restart, when Lord Byron is on the outside and Kevin Harvick is on the inside, Kevin gives him tons of room. Yeah. You know why? Because Kevin knows by the grace of God, he's going to run second in this race because he does not have a second place car. Yeah. So Kevin gives him tons of room. So nobody's taken. Yeah. Nobody's taken. Kevin's given at that point in time. So that's the end of the race compared to the other side. But when you've got four drivers, I, I think, and, and I, I include them all in that, in that last scenario, I can't just go to Chastain. I can't just go to Larson because you got four guys that basically did the same thing just at different times. I applaud Chastain because he said, nah, you did it to me once. I'm on the inside next time. I'm going to yeah. do it to you. Yeah. I'm not, you're not going to sucker punch me again. You're not going to catch me in that bad situation. So I think he learned something there. I think he learned he needed to be on the inside. I think he learned something, even though he wrecked, is next time if I'm in that position, don't be ahead. Just be even. 
Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Scrub it off on the outside that way. So I, th- I think you learned something, but, and, and, and you say this and, and listen, I got no qualms. You guys know I'm, I'm, I pull for Chastain and, and I don't, I don't make any qualms about that. I, I pull for Lord Byron. I pull for Joey Logano. But the thing is, once again, once again, is we're in that situation where we're talking about Chastain and why are we talking about him? We're talking about him because he has an opportunity to win a race. We wouldn't be talking about it. If he was 15th or 20th, it, it, it'd be a moot point. We yeah. wouldn't be talking about this. You, yeah. you know what I mean? If he was, if he was back there racing somebody else, we wouldn't be. Yeah. Again, the problem is Ross Chastain is here to stay, people. Yeah. He's here. He showed up. You know what I mean? I mean, he drove through the pack. And, and the first little bit of the race, he picked up more positions than anybody else. And I, I think when you look at passes and you look at things that, that they do and you look at that team on pit road, that team is a championship contender with a driver that can win races week in and week out, just like Larson can, just like Joey Logano can, just like Truex. So we've added a new name to the list in the last 12 months. And that's that's what it is. So everybody's going to point at it and every, everybody's going to shoot at it. And I've got no problem with it. I like when you guys come out. Because listen, at the end of the year, Harvick's off that list. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kurt Busch left the list last year. So there's room on the list, people. There's yeah. room. We got to make room for new people. Yeah. And, and Chastain needs a bit. So I, I didn't have any problem with, with what I saw. And I think you're right. I mean, he's challenging the establishment. It's not just that he's around guys when they're involved in wrecks. He's around guys at the front. When he's involved right. in wrecks, all these wrecks seem to happen. When he's in the lead. Right. And I'm glad you brought up Truex because I was fascinated by the fact, not just the, the wreck toward the end with Logano. I, I agree with you. Like very similar what was going on with Larson and Chastain. But I also thought like kind of uncharacteristic for Martin Truex Jr. to race that way. And yes. I, I saw it, especially though, end of stage two, where Chastain is in the lead. And obviously he's babying it a little bit because he's got Suarez in front of him, his teammate, who's about to go a lap down. And Truex sent it in there and kind of washed up into Chastain and took himself out, you know, ended up finishing, I think, 10th instead of second that stage. Chastain still won the stage and and soldiered on, even though he hit the wall. But Truex actually kind of blamed Chastain for it afterward. I was looking at the quotes just right now, and he said that there was plenty of room there, but he just came off the wall and hit me. That was Truex's opinion of Chastain. So I'm like, look at this, KP, and I, I feel like, is Ross starting to make guys race crazy? <laughs> like, because yeah. that was not so, a Martin Truex Jr. move to me, both end no. of the race, but especially end of stage two. Listen, it is, it's, and, and I've used this a couple of times. Let's go back to last year when Christopher Bell blamed Ross. And when they showed the replay, Ross is not even in the shot, <laughs> right. not even in the shot. You know what I mean? Right. Because right. that was Richmond. Just right. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. That's right. He's just a whipping boy. He's, yeah. so it's easy. So it's, it's, it's like, so I've got two little boys. Okay. I got two little, I got, well, I got three little boys. I got three little boys and, you know, Overton and Cotton and Devant and Devant is just almost a year old. But if something goes wrong, if you ask Cotton or Overton, what happened? They point straight at Devant. <laughs> he did it. He's not, he's crawling. He, yeah. he did. He's not even in the room. He did it. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the, my point is that's the situation. You know, if anything happens, they just point at Ross yeah. and, and say he did it. That. So I'm going to I'm going to say this about the the end of that segment, the end of segment two. That's like what Truex did there. And in, in, in my opinion is when it's the end of the half or the end of a quarter or whatever in football and the quarterback makes a bad decision and throws an interception and it costs the team a field goal or it costs the team a touchdown. You know what I mean? Because they intercept and run it back. Poor decision making behind the steering wheel to try to make something happen in that corner on that lap at that time. Take your second place, take your points, and move on. And you don't lose that track position that you never made up. He never recovered. He never recovered from that moment. Never recovered from that moment. That was a game changing, a day changing moment for Martin Truex uh, and the, those guys. It just was. So, you know, you've got to take some of the blame for your decision making, but you would rather, and other drivers do it too. I'm not picking on Truex. You just blame the other guy. I'm just going to blame the other guy. That way it takes, it takes the focus off me. Um, so that was, 
that that was not Ross's fault either. I, I don't see that. Ross was protecting his teammate, and we've seen the Gibbs guys protect each other for years. So don't give me that. You know what I mean? We've seen the Hendrick guys. We've seen the Penske guys protect each other. That's just part of the sport now. Well, and like you said it, like, you know, take your second, take your points. It's one playoff point. You've already won a race. That's what I'm trying to make sense of. It's just, it's so uncharacteristic for Truex because, we, you know, he's regarded yeah. as always the clean racer, always the smart racer, always the one yeah. who tries to give guys room. The only thing I can make sense of it is it's Ross Chastain. Like, do you think he's, I, you know, I don't know if you can think of other instances like where guys race differently. I don't know if they did it with like Earnhardt or Jeff Gordon or other people during the day. The, the only thing I can think is, is that, and, and this is where, and, and I've said this, okay. And I, I've said, and let's, let's use Truex because I've used Truex in, in my other examples. Truex, when Truex and Joey Logano had their issues at Martinsville. And, and Truex gets out, you know, and the crowd's cheering and, and Truex is talking. And, you know, I tell you what, I may not win the championship, but he's not going to win it either, which Joey went on and won it. Just want to go ahead and, and throw that out there. By um, beating Truex in yeah, the final race. But you, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but the point was, the point was, you knew that was all talk and no action. Yeah. Because it's not, as you say, it's not in Martin Truex's DNA to drive that way. It's just not in his in his way, you, you know what I mean? That's not how he that's not how he does things, and that's why this what we're talking about here, what what went on at Darlington, is so uncharacteristic. I think what Ross probably or maybe at some point in time need to be needs to be concerned about is that he has tweaked enough people that they feel like they got a free shot. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can take my shot. It's a free one. That's I guess you that's what I'm mean? getting at. It almost seemed yeah. like Truex had yeah. that in his mind. Hey, it's Chastain. I can send it. I can send. I can send it. And if something happens, he's going to have to take the blame for it. You know what I mean? Because it's his fault because I'm racing him. And and that's it. And and that's BS too. You know what I mean? Because I, I just don't think that's that's the way it is. But um, I mean that that was that's the only thing. I, I listen. I'm not in his car. I'm not in his head. I'm not driving it. Only he can answer these questions. Yeah. Um, but the explanation that it was Ross's fault, that this, it doesn't, listen, even if they fill Darlington up with water, it won't float at Darlington either. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, that explanation doesn't float. I hear you. Well, I did want to get your reaction to that. Obviously the, there was some redux in terms of controversy, starting with Cliff Daniels, Larson's crew chief, even though Larson didn't address it post-race, Cliff Daniels took a shot at Chastain on the team radio. He said that makes three races he's taking us out of. And he made a Cliff Daniels made a point of saying Chevrolet noticed this. That makes three races of, that we've been taken out of by another Chevrolet driver. So Chevrolet, good job, you know, take notice of this. Um, Rick Hendrick was asked about this post race uh, during Byron's news conference. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Rick, uh, while you're celebrating a win by one of your cars, the number five could have been in contention to have won today and involved in the incident with the one. It's the third time he's been damaged by the one and either directly or indirectly the last month has Ross Chastain crossed a line. I think you can ask any driver in here that he's wrecked or been involved with him. He, you know, he doesn't have to be that aggressive. And I guess at this, at this point in the race, maybe you're, you're super aggressive, but you just don't run people up in the fence or, you know, just, he's not gonna, he's gonna make a lot of enemies and it's hard to win a championship when you got a lot of paybacks out there. And uh, so I, he's got so much talent. I think if he just calmed down that uh, there's a time to race. Dale Earnhardt uh, told me, Dale Earnhardt Sr. told me one time, he said, you know, I won't name the driver who drove for me, but he said, uh, you know, he's got all the talent. He just doesn't know how to race. And, uh, and meaning he just knows when to race, when to push it. Uh, He's got a lot of talent, but he's making a lot of enemies out here. And I mean, Kyle, now this is this this one in Dover, and you know it, this uh, it's it's getting Talladega. It's really getting old with these guys. And obviously, these guys are competitors, but this is a, another Chevrolet driver. So um, I don't care if he's driving a Chevrolet if he wrecks our cars. I don't care, and I've told Chevrolet that if you wreck us, you're gonna get it back. And if you don't do it, they'll run all over you. So, you know, I'm, I'm loyal to Chevrolet, but 
when somebody runs over us, then I expect my guys to hold their ground. And not, I'm not going to let them ask them to yield just because of the Chevrolet. Is that what you're kind of alluding to? Is that? Yeah, but let me tell you something. I'm, I'm about, I don't know if you can see my eyes, but they're brown. Uh, and I'm fed up to my dark brown eyes. With that. <laughs> That's not how you win championships. Somebody needs, somebody needs, to, somebody needs to, to go back in history and see guys that have driven with that much dedication and that much passion and that much friggin' just commitment um, that have won championships. Kill Yarborough. I mean, we can go, we can go down a list of guys. And you know, earlier, earlier I compared Ross to to Richard Petty and Kel Yarbrough and, and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Not from driving style, not driving style, people. If, if you took that from that comment, I apologize. Not from driving style, from desire, from commitment, from passion, from something that's deep inside of him, that that's what he does. I'm sorry. That's just what he does. And let's be honest, he is not a Rick Hendrick style driver. Okay. Ross is not. Kyle Bush wasn't. But Kyle Bush has gone on to win 60 plus races and two championships. You don't, everybody's not a Hendrick style driver. Everybody's not a Penske style driver, but he is a track house style driver. And I'm going to tell you what, if he was on the open market, he'd be a RCR style driver. I'm about to ask you if, if like Kyle Bush is an RCR driver, obviously he fits that mold. Yeah. yeah. He, Yep, that's right. But he would be a Stuart Haas style driver. He would jump. Ross Chastain could fit in a lot of organizations and make them better organizations. So I, I, I do think crew chiefs are going to take shots, and that's okay. And this, we all, we have all been on that boat. When you're when you're in the Ford camp, we've heard Ford drivers say, "Well, there's another Ford driver taking another Ford driver out." I, I hear you. I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, man. But that's the sport. That's the nature of the sport. That's been the nature of the sport. That's always been the nature of the sport. When when we run a number of years back in the 80s when there was nothing but GM versus Ford, um, and it seemed like 90% of them were Chevys, they took each other out week in and week out. Dale Earnhardt Sr. rattles the cage of Terry Labonte. Are those two Chevys? I guess they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's so many times that Dale Earnhardt Sr. rattles the cage of Jeff Bonine at Hendrick Motorsports. Were those Chevys? I guess they were. Yeah. So that that doesn't that comment is just that's a whine. That's not a comment. That's that's just whining a little bit. But rightfully so. They probably look at it and say, I've been taken out of multiple races that we could have won. But at the same time, pit crews take you out of races, bad calls take you out of races. Drivers running in the walls, taking you out of races. So if we go back through any driver's career or any driver's driver's year, there's there's opportunities that every team has to win. Or those teams, like the Hendrick teams, have that they take themselves out of races, uh, so they don't have to worry about another driver taking them out. So I think that's that's just a little bit of sour grapes too. Well, and I appreciate your your comment about how Chastain's temperament is similar to Earnhardt Sr. or Kelly Yarbrough. Because I had the same reaction, KP, when I was, I think it was the Dover race. And he had the incident with Brandon Poole that took out Larson. I immediately like flashback to rattle his cage moment that yeah. Earnhardt had with Terry Labonte at Bristol in 99. And Well, I passed him down in front straight away and he, he hit me in the corner down there and wanted to and turned me around. That's about it. Obviously, he said he planned to get up to you, had no intention of taking you out. He never has an intention of taking anybody out. It just happens that way. Labonte was told, hey, Earnhardt said he didn't mean to take you out. And Labonte said, oh, well, it's never intentional. And That's right. he did it in that really kind of dry humor, Terry Labonte way. But I also think he was making a point that, like, that is the essence of Earnhardt. And I think what's what's funny here is Kyle Larson earlier this week said on a podcast, not Denny Hamlin's podcast, Kyle Larson apparently has his own podcast that he does too occasionally. Wow. Kyle Larson said that he thinks Ross Chastain could be the most popular driver in NASCAR. Larson said, I mean, obviously, like I was upset with him two weeks ago, but I, I kind of love it. Like, I, I think Ross is great. I mean, he, he's like, I mean, at this point, like, I think he is sort of like owning it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm this guy and I think he's got the potential to be more popular than Chase Elliott. So I think it's awesome. Like he's, you need it. Brad likes to say he's moving the needle. What do you think about that? I mean, are we witnessing uh, maybe the emergence? I mean, you said it like the the list is opening up here where there's no Harvick. Uh, there's, there's, There's opportunities here, right? Yeah. And listen, you've been around Ross. You've been around Ross and, and, 
Listen, I'll be glad when he gets somewhere where we don't have to talk about Ross anymore because it seems yeah. like everybody spends all their time talking. But and and I've said this before, okay? You and 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 I'll go back to to a lot of guys, a, a lot of guys, is is how they drive on a racetrack and who they are are two different things. Ross Chastain is very personal. To stand and talk to him and have a conversation, he's very smart. He's articulate. He, he knows what he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very low key, very mild. You know what I mean? And, and in a lot of ways that reminds me of, of my dad, um, of Kale, of Earnhardt. Listen, my dad and Pearson wreck at Daytona on the last lap and, and 76, you know, one of the most famous ending Daytona 500s ever. And Pearson, we, we as a crew, are ready to go to victory lane and kick the wood brothers butts. Okay. And we are headed that way after we push his car across the start finish line. <laughs> Little did we know it was a rule. You can't push the car. Across the so you know, and, and he, in the middle of the grass, he stops all of us, stops all of us. And he said, stop, take this car, load it on the truck. And we're going to Rockingham next week. Mm-hmm. And that's where we'll be. And that's what we did. Yeah. And it was calm and it was cool. The only time I ever heard or saw Earnhardt ever just slightly rattled in my mind was the infamous pass in the grass that really wasn't a pass where you said, you know, he run me down in there and I'm even going to let him do that. He was, he was visibly, you know, taking, jacking around in the car and just juking around. He was visibly flustered at that time. But most, most of the time, I just rattled his cage. You know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. He's calm, cool, collected. He knows where he's at. Ross is always that way. Yep. He brings it. When you interview him, he brings it down. You expect him to bite the head of the mic off. You know what I mean? If he's been wrecked or, or anything's happened. He doesn't. He, he, he is in control of his emotions and he is in control of where he's at. So what I'm going to say is, yes, he has the chance to be extremely popular. Because of A, the way he drives, there's a lot of fans out there that like that passion, that like that desire. And you see it more and more every week. And he's personable. They can, they like him. They like his demeanor. They like the way he is when he meets them. You know, Kyle Bush is sullen, not as not as outgoing. He can be incredibly outgoing. And you know that. He can just be so welcoming and so outgoing, but not on a regular basis. Chastain is. Chastain is that guy like Kale, like Pearson, like my dad, like a lot of guys that have come along that have been, that just want to win races, but they have a personality to go with it. And I think that 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 is the part that can make him. And you know, in a sport where there's, you know, 36 drivers and 34 of them are clones, um, you know, that it doesn't take a lot to stand out, but when you do stand out, you stand out big. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to be careful about how I say this because I love William Byron, but I think we're yeah. still witnessing him become a personality. And I wouldn't put him in the same category, like as a Ross Chastain right now, in terms of being able to break out, even though he's having tremendous success. So, you know, we're 32 and a half minutes into this podcast. So what better time to talk about the race winner than now? You got one more point to make? Yeah, no, no. And I, I'm going to say this about, about, about William Byron. Yeah. Just as we're, just as we're talking about, just as we're talking about Ross Chastain and his style of driving and his demeanor and his personality, he's going to break this way. He'll take the, he'll take the fans from right here to this side of the screen. But William Byron has the opportunity to take the fans to this side of the screen. Yeah. He can take Jeff Gordon's fans. Yeah. Because he can do that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's going to attract that that kind of fan. Um, and both of them, they have the personality, they have the talent, um, they have the cars, they have the ability to own those two sides, those two those, those two sides of the spectrum. So I, I think he is at that breakout place. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? I think we're both at that breakout place. They're just they're, they're coming tickling. at it from different directions. Yeah, yeah, just from totally different directions. But they can be the guy that takes those two two sections of the sport. Let's talk a little bit more about Byron because I, I just feel like we should, even though I don't want to say he inherited this win, but certainly um, yeah. in the front and put himself in position to win races, which 
he's done with increasing frequency here the, the last few years. This is his series leading third win. Uh, he's got Darlington, Phoenix, Las Vegas. He's never won three in a season before. And, you know, we're yeah. barely halfway through the regular season. So I know like last year, Kyle, he was a, he was a trendy championship pick. I had him in the, in my final four, but it's not going to surprise me at all. If William Byron is racing for a championship in Phoenix this year. Yeah. Not going to surprise me either, but and and I don't know if you listen, heard what he said, said in his interview, talk about winning in that car and, and, yeah. and doing that stuff. Yeah. I'm just thankful um, that I was able to, you know, get in this 24 car. Um, I was, you know, too young at the time, I feel like, but, uh, you know, growing up, maturing, and just having a great team around me, being able to build the core that we have. I have a great group of guys, uh, Rudy, Brandon McSwain, Tyler, my car chief. Everybody on the team does a great job preparing good cars, and uh, we work hard at it. So it's nice to see it, you know, go our way once. You know, I've been driving this car for a few years. I probably shouldn't have got in it as early as I got in it. It just caught me the way he said it, where it was like, I might have been in the deep end. You, you know what I mean? And but now I'm catching up. You know, maybe maybe I shouldn't shouldn't have been in this car that quick. Um, but I believe he should have. You, you told Rick Hendrick that. Yeah, you told Rick Hendrick. Yeah, I told, I told Rick that. Yeah, when Rick put him in the car, he said, and everybody was saying it's too early, it's too early. And I said, I'm going to tell you the same thing my dad told me, and the same thing that we we decided with with Adam is you're going to be a Cup driver. Learn to race. Learn to race in Cup. Learn to race against these guys. Joey Logano's done it. You know, William Byron is doing it. Um, it's not a bad way to come. You take a beat in those first couple of years, but but it's not a bad bad way to do. So he kind of inherited this win. But if you go back to the first stage and the second stage, he's a top three or four car. Mm -hmm. You know, he's coming. He's mm -hmm. second. He's third. He's in the right place. Um, his 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 move. You know, if you go back and look when when those guys get in the wall, man, he's he's committed. He's in the gas and he's turning left and he knows. That's his opportunity. He's got to make it past that wreck. I think he and Rudy, when they put, when he and Rudy came back together, when he and Rudy came back together and instantly it became William and Rudy's team. Before it was somebody else's team, William was just driving it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then he got his people. It's a, I, I, I kind of compared a little bit to, to Joey Logano too. When Joey drove for, for Gibbs, it's like, they put him in Tony's car and it was Tony's crew and Tony's crew chief and Tony's car and Tony could drive it. So you get in it and drive it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Joey was not successful. He went, he went to Penske and they built a team on Joey Logano and Joey Logano just flourished. He just thrives and, and become an incredible driver. You know, a couple of championships, 30 some wins. You look at it. He's 32 years old. You know, those are, those are Jeff Gordon, Richard Petty, Kyle Busch numbers. When you start looking at, when you start breaking them, breaking them down. So he's in a different category. People don't put Joey in that category, but he's in that category. William Byron's the same way. Once William was there long enough to establish his style and they put him with people that he wanted to work with and people that trusted him and trusted his ability like Rudy did. And he trusted their ability and they flourished, man. They have, they have flourished. I, I thought he was going to be, stronger the end of last year than he was um, because there were a couple of races towards the end of the year that he just put that car on his back and carried it the way Jeff used to carry it and make something out of nothing uh, the way Kevin Harvick carries the car. So, yeah, I think, I think he's in a position and in, in a place. Um, and, and you got to remember, rem remember I took a, I took a ton of heat when I said that William Byron was, was the future of Hendrick Motorsports, not Chase Elliott. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to waver from that. I know Chase has won championships. I know Chase has won more races and does more stuff. But I think long term, when you look at it, William Byron is going to be the one that steers the ship and moves it in the right direction. Well, if you heard Chase after his top five today, he'd probably agree with you because he was rather hard on himself for how he was getting through traffic. Yeah, we were. Man, I feel like our, our car was plenty good, really, throughout the whole day. I just do such a terrible job getting up through traffic and I get stalled out behind guys, and um, I just feel like people driving cars like mine don't do that. Uh, they tend to get up through there and, and get to where they belong. So I feel like everything on the other side of the wall and, and the car that I was driving was, was really, really good. So I need to just try to improve and, and keep going to work on the areas that I'm struggling in and 
try to uh, try to build on you know the, the improvements we've made. But we certainly have a, I have I certainly have a long ways to go. But really proud of our team effort to keep us in the fight. Pit stops were unreal, and obviously got really lucky there at the end with those guys crashing and then the caution coming out quick for myself and, and guys like Brad to keep our spots like that. So I'll certainly take third and appreciate uh, appreciate all the effort this weekend. We're making some small gains here and there. Just gotta gotta get some more. Of course, that's nothing new for Chase. Help yourself critical. Yeah, I, I guess the old Chase is back. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. That's the way yeah. he always was. You know what I mean? That's remember he'd run second, just just belittle himself in front of everybody. You, you know what I mean? And 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 I I understand that and if that's how he self motivates, that's fine. It's hard to work for a driver like that or anybody like that who doesn't believe, doesn't appear from the outside sometimes to believe in themselves enough. How can I believe in you if you don't believe in yourself? You know what I mean? And, and, and listen, he's got a long career ahead. He's going to win more races and. And, and maybe win more championships. I'm not going to – I can't give it to him right now, but it may be win because it's so tough to win championships in this format the way it is. But he's got to, you know, he, he's got to break that a little bit. Well, I, I think it'll be a factor this weekend because I think he's one of the only guys who has raced at North Wilkesboro. I think I guess he and Blaney, I think, did late models there like over a decade ago. So NASCAR goes back to North Wilkesboro Speedway this weekend, Kyle, for the All-Star Race. I guess a continuation of this week, this past weekend's throwback weekend at Darlington. Now we get the true throwback with North Wilkesboro. I mean, this place hasn't hosted a NASCAR Premier Series event since 1996. I, I haven't really talked to you about it. I've never been there. I've been there in its dilapidated state. I've never actually seen a race there. Are you going? Are you looking forward to it? Did you did you like the place? What just what do you think about North? Oh, Coast I love the place. Yeah, listen, I love the place. I think it 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 is it has a place and should should have always had a place. And I, I I hated when we lost Wilkesboro as a short track race. You know, Bristol. Martinsville, Wilkesboro, Richmond. That would have been a great listen. Those four races, they, they were good. They were fun races. Uh, Wilkesboro was a fun place to race. It was downhill down the front stretch, uphill up the back stretch. Catch yourself in the middle of one and two. Uh, try to get as low as you can through three and four. That's just the way it was. You know, try to run right on the curb through three and four. Uh, but it was a fun, it was a fun place. And it was such so ingrained into the history of the sport. Enoch Staley, uh, the Combs family, everybody up there, you know, just that part, Inglehalla, right over from Junior's place. You know, it it was, it was when you went to Wilkesboro and ran good and built, beat Junior's car, it's like you had been in the enemy territory and taken <laughs> and taken the flag and left. You know what I mean? That that's what it was like. It was it was just a it was it just felt different, man. And the fans up there were so friggin' passionate, so passionate about this sport. And I know it was always just a local race. You didn't, it never drew like Bristol did. It never drew like Richmond from, you know, from Maryland and places like that. It never did. It was just, it, it was Wilkesboro. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the reason that it's no longer on the cup schedule and it's only back uh, as a novelty. Yeah. Um, but it has a place. I think it has a place. I would like to see it have a place uh, long-term, but I, I am excited about him going back there because it truly is, and, and, and especially in, in this year, the 75th year, for Junior and Marcus and everybody that's, that's put the effort in and everybody that's done it, to have a, a special event there. And, and that's what this will be. It's an event. I have no idea what kind of race it's going to be with this car. I, I just don't. Because I, I feel like this car has not put on, and everybody said it, I'm not saying anything new, it's not, it's not enhanced the short tracks. Right like it has the, the, the mid range tracks, the mile, mile and a half. Right. Um, so uh, what kind of race it'll be? I have no idea, but I think the atmosphere, uh, the event itself um, will be, will be pretty cool to, to me, to me in a lot of ways, what's the hockey game they play outside the mid mid winter classic, oh, winter classic. or whatever it is. Yeah. Winter classic. Yeah. The winter classic to me, that's what this is like to me going back to Wilkesboro is like our form of the winter of the winter classic. Yeah. It's it's that throwback to what the sport was a thousand years ago, um, and it's the same. You know, it's it's the outdoor ice, man. You know, what I mean, <laughs> it is. It's everything that that they've they've kept the patina, they've kept everything the way it is. You know, they it's it's just that throwback to 
let, let's go back to an old old racetrack and run a run a modern day race on it. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you made a point I even thought about, like, obviously I know it's junior Johnson territory, but I'd never have really thought of it like as being like the house that junior Johnson built in a sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously he didn't build it from the ground, but I'm sure that no racetrack was more associated with the Tom Wolf, last American hero race car driver, junior Johnson than this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, the France family had Daytona, but as far as anybody else was concerned, Wilkesboro was junior Johnson. I mean, that, that everybody up there was Junior Johnson, you know, and, and everything, everything that happened up there was Junior Johnson. It, it always fascinated me that when Bobby, when Bobby Allison drove Junior's cars, Bobby Allison won at Wilkesboro. When Daryl did, Daryl <laughs> won at Wilkesboro. When Kale did, Kale won at Wilkesboro. They must have spent hours up there testing on that track when nobody else did. But I mean, that was, they owned that place. And, and that's just that. You had to give it to him, man. That, that's the way it was. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun for NASCAR there this weekend. Um, and I'm sure it was a lot of fun for you. Uh, the Kyle Petty charity ride just wrapped up. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. Uh, so why not now to wrap up the NASCAR NBC podcast? How, how was the uh, charity ride? Charity ride was great. You know what? I, I, I'm going to tell you. So we had, we went uh, Salt Lake. Out, out to Bonneville and then went over to um, Ely and then Tonopah and then Vegas and then Cedar City and up to Moab and then back to Salt Lake. So just Utah and Nevada or did you hit Arizona too? Yeah, Utah and Nevada. All we did was Utah and Nevada, just a circle. So we've had people that have been all 27 years like myself. There's just a few of us. But we've got a lot of people that have gone 20 years, 22 years, 16, 17 years. I got more comments from longtime riders who, who said, one of the top three charity rides we've ever done. Oh, wow. Scenery, people, riders, fans that came out, just the, the whole scope. Everything was, it was absolutely one of those. Strader and I, Strader went with us. Kenny Strader did. So did Kenny Wallace. But Strader and I were talking about it when it was over with. And, and it's kind of like when you used to drive a race car and they drop the green flag and you run five or six laps, all of a sudden in your head, you'd say, it's going to be a good day. I'm, I'm running good. It's going to be a good day. You know what I mean? It's something just clicks. And that's kind of the way this ride was. As soon as we got there and we had our dinner and stuff that, that, that Friday night before we kicked off on Saturday, it was like, man, this is going to be a good ride. We did a special thing in Tonopah. We had uh, one night we did the Kenny and Kenny show where I sat on stage with him and just asked him questions. And it was, listen, we need to take it to Vegas. It's, it's the greatest show on earth. Uh, <laughs> Schrader and Wallace show. I can see that being entertaining. Oh my gosh. It was incredible. Then the next night I brought my sister, Sharon, my dad, and they sat up there and talked about, you know, grow, Sharon talked about growing up um, and going to races with my dad and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And he talked about stuff. And then a a everywhere we went, it was just fun. We just had a, it was low key. It wasn't, wasn't overly busy. It, Morgan, as always, had it organized to the nth degree. We shut down Las Vegas Boulevard. We came into Las Vegas Boulevard with a police escort and they shut down traffic on both sides and wheeled us into the Mirage. <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of things, but when you shut down Las Vegas Boulevard, man, I felt like the Rat Pack coming <laughs> in. That's us, man. We were jamming. <laughs> we were jamming. We just needed a tuxedo with a bow tie just hanging around our neck, untied in a cigarette, and we'd okay. have been right. Uh, but it was just, it was a, it was a lot of fun. The, the whole ride, everything. We raised a lot of money this year, uh, probably more money than we've raised on a, on a, on a regular ride like this um, in the last seven or eight years. Our 25th anniversary was a huge ride, but this ride was was really close to that. So, man, it was just good. We saw a lot of campers, kids that go to camp, you know, that from out in Utah and out in Nevada. They came out to see us. So it was just um, that's great, fun, man. Glad to hear it. So, and this was, uh, is this 27? 27. Yeah, we're calling it 27. Yeah, you know, because we did the 25th and then you missed, we kind of did one over about a 23, 22 month period. So okay. uh, we kept one short one in there. But uh, yeah, man, it's it, COVID kind of like everybody, you lose that. There's a time period in there that's on a on a slide rule that you lose. You can't remember where it's at. But, um, but yeah, we're, we, we call it our 27th and it was, it was a lot of fun, cool. a lot of fun. Cool. So uh, hopefully... Yeah, next year I don't know what we're gonna do to top this one, um, but it was it was a good time. Well, you got Morgan on your side, so I'm glad we could give her a plug on uh, Mother's Day recording here as well. She runs a tight ship for you both personally and professionally. So 
That's right. It is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. I'm glad you had such a good time on the uh, charity ride. Always have a good time with you on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Kyle Petty, thanks for being here. For sure. For sure. Thank you, man. We appreciate Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Thanks to Motorsports Manager Emily Conboy for coordinating this episode. Check out the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel for the video version of the podcast and more NASCAR America Motormouths content. You always can find more news, columns, and analysis on NASCAR Talk and Motorsports Talk on NBCSports.com. Please visit NBCSports.com NASCAR or NBCSports.com motors. This weekend, Dustin Long will be at North Wilkesboro Speedway covering NASCAR's big return with the All-Star Race. Check that out on NASCAR Talk, NBCSports.com NASCAR. I will be at Indianapolis Motor Speedway practice and qualifying all this week for the 107th Indy 500, which will be on NBC and Peacock on May 28th, but we'll have coverage all this week on Peacock daily starting Tuesday. Also qualifying coverage as well, Saturday and Sunday. Some of that will be on NBC. So go to Motorsports Talk, NBCSports.com slash motors to check out my coverage from Indy 500 practice and qualifying this week at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter at name. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.